hold up your hands. First time visitor, never been here before. Right there, I met those folks coming in. Where else? Anybody else? We have a packet of information when you fill out. If you're the first time watching online, thank you for joining us at the Sanctuary of Hope here in Branson, Missouri. Now, I don't know where you're from, but drop me a note. And if you're an old timer, drop me a note anyway. I was with you tonight, Pastor. I want to know you're there. I read every one of those. If you have a prayer request, stick it on there, and I pray for you. But for all of you now, if you're, again, first time, we'll be back here Wednesday evening at 6.30. We have Restoration Connection. We have our youth. We have children's, and we're going to be finishing up the study of Revelation. I'm in chapter 20. We're getting right down to the end this, e- this coming Wednesday evening, and then we're going to go into the scriptures that correlate with that same in Daniel. So we're in some, some good Bible studies. Praise God. Um, that's it, isn't it? Praise God. Natalie, where are you? Come over here. There's a, I'll set the stage. Natalie's going to, I want her to tell you something. Um, the, the pilgrim, um, what's it called? Pilgrim what? Pilgrim, that's what I call it. With, yeah, with Troy and Christy and their spiritual kids of mine. And this troop is incredible, about what, 70 cast members and workers. We get an opportunity to do devotions with them every year. They're here next week, and if you miss that, it's the old Yellow Ribbon Theater, I believe. Yeah, it is where we went before, and it'll be full, and you really want to go to that. We're here, and so Natalie was able to go today and do that devotion. You're on. Nothing like being put on the spot. By the way, you guys, I went there today, and on the back desk, their cards that say Pilgrim, those are free tickets. So they don't charge to get in. You take the, you snap the QR code, and there's your ticket, and you reserve your spot. And then they put all the names of every person on a screen, and they pray over them. I'm telling you, it is the most incredible thing ever. But, I okay, I, I don't even know how to explain what happened today, but basically um, you do a devotion, and I walked in the door, and I don't... It was just the Lord. I just felt burning in my spirit, like the word is enough. I don't, I'm kind of, I don't need a motivational speech. I don't need to tell you how to, I just, you just need, the word of God is enough. To stand in front of people and read scripture, that's what our Lord and Savior did, and it's powerful enough to break the yoke. And so I just felt like a burning in my spirit that the only thing I could tell them was, reach the lost. Like, I charge you to reach the lost. And I just read scripture after scripture about what the Bible says about he who wins souls is wise, about snatching people from the fire, and about our biblical mandate. And just basically, if you were on trial, is there any evidence to convict you of being a soul winner? Is there? And so I, I, I just, I can't even explain to you what happened, but after that, We just moved into a time of prayer. It did not turn into a devotional. It turned into a prayer meeting. They came up, and the um, guy leading it grabbed the mic and just said, anybody that is called to, you know, recovery ministry, addiction, trafficking, I want you to come up here and Natalie pray. And um, I prayed, but there was only one girl that I laid my hands on. I, I just, just broken. Like, you could just feel her spirit. And at the end... I brought some of those posters because 
I'm just telling you, the, the Lord has just branded Israel on my heart. And so I brought them, and I said, could I please leave some of these with you? And the guy standing there said, oh, my word, you prayed for Faith. Her name was Faith. I never even got to meet her because she was just before the Lord. And he took me out into a lobby, and she was drawing pictures. She's not seen any of those posters, but she's been having dreams of the people, that, the hostages in Israel, and she's been drawing their pictures. And that was the person that I prayed for. And when I went out there to the lobby, Israel was with me, and he had a stack of those. And, I mean, he's 12. I don't, so I'm not into mysticism, guys, and I'm very, very careful about this. But he and I both said, that looks exactly like this girl, and that looks exactly like this girl. And we took those posters and laid them under two pictures, and we just stopped after that. But I'm telling you, it looked like a portrait of those pictures, but she's never seen them. And so I just want to say this, for those of us, like, there's been a grief over the hearts of people that love Israel, but something shifted in me tonight. When those young people started praying and bringing those names and we started laying hands, I cannot explain to you what happened, but it's like grief gave way to a war cry and I realized they belong to the Lord. And they are written on his hand, and he's not lost sight of them. And so all I can tell you is it isn't that it's just, it's not, I'm not saying that we aren't to grieve. I'm saying, though, I'm shifting, my spirit is shifting into a place of we're bringing captives home. And we're putting the enemy on notice that they don't belong to him. And I'm not going to sit here in fear and trepidation. I'm going to declare and decree that those are children of the God of Israel, and that's who they belong to. That's it. If we only understood... If we only understood, part of this is we're here tonight to, to emphasize the Holy Spirit in our life. A kind of a backstory of this is God put it on my heart because of what my children are facing. And I begin to think back at the revival times that I grew up in and the Holy Spirit moving in a powerful way and that impermanently on my mind. And I said, if that happened then, what are we doing? What are we doing? We can't do this anymore. And so God started stirring something in me, and that, I got a challenge from our professors. And they said, if you got a call on your life, what are you doing sitting? What are you doing? And I got something loose in me. And the flesh started dying. And I stopped caring. And the Holy Spirit started speaking. And it laid all this out. And God gave this wonderful vision of Revive Us and His church coming back to a place of worship. And coming back to a place of empowerment of the Holy Spirit. So that we could experience revival. Not for us, but so we could worship the Lord. And our children can experience it and carry it on. I know the Lord's moving in a powerful way, and he's waiting on us. We had a prophetic word 
about six months ago, and I've been just stewing the whole time. The river of life. And so I called Rabbi, and I said, I said, God gave me this, and I, I, I wish that you'd be involved. And he said, kind of explain it to me, Rabbi Benaiah. And I said, it's revive us. And I went down through the list, and I said, but I don't have anything for the first order of service, and I don't know. And he said, okay, I've got something on my heart. It's been there for 20-some years. And he started talking, and he started speaking the word, and tears started rolling down my face. And I said, okay, let me talk to Pastor Sam. Short conversation. And so I would like for you to welcome, not in his strength, but the power of the Holy Spirit. Not in his knowing, but the word of the Lord inside of him. Dr. Wade Nunley. Please have a seat. It's good to be with you guys tonight. It's good to be in the presence of the Lord. Rabbi Sam, thank you for, and Benaiah as well, thank you all for your uh, gracious invitation to, um, to speak to your congregation. Thank you guys for praying for us. We've just gotten back from Israel. We, we got there the day the war started. And um, we're eventually told by the State Department that we had to leave. They didn't help us a whole lot, but <laughs> they said we had to leave. Um, thank you for your prayers. Uh, thank you for your gifts. Uh, thank you for your moral support. You guys have stood by us shoulder to shoulder through thick and thin. And um, we are blessed to have to be yoked together in life and in ministry with people of your caliber, we really are. Um, my daughter, uh, Abby, uh, has felt this burden uh, to get the word out to the body of Christ to pray for God's people in Israel who are going through yet again another time of Jacob's trouble and they are in need of us on our faces praying regularly and throughout the day. There are captives more than 200 that need to come home. There are babies, little baby, little nine-month-old nine babies being kept in chicken cages that need to come home. God can set captives free. Did he set you free? Okay, then he's got some freedom that he can share with these that are in harm's way and in need, in need of coming back to what's left of their war-ravaged families and, and homes. So, I heard this dirty little secret that you guys were ready for God's touch. To be revived in your spirit. Not to be a reservoir, but to be a conduit out into your world and all the way to the Middle East to see ca uh, more captives set free. Hmm. So I've got a message tonight. Um, 
It's only got one point. Sorry, I don't have the other two or a poem to go with it. But I do have 22 scriptures I want you to look at with me. You think we can get through that? Because tonight I want to share with you a, a, a message from God's Word that's probably the most life-changing, most transformational, most powerful Word, with the one exception of the message of salvation. This is next in line. This will change your perspective. It will change your life, and it will change the fruit that your life bears. So will you go with me on this journey through 22 passages of Scripture? And I want to encourage you to get your notebook out or get your cell phone out because I want you studying this stuff so it gets deep down into your spirit and God fixes a problem that we have had in the church for almost 20 centuries. Something that's been missing. Something we're overlooking. Something that's so basic. Something that's so simple that some kind of way it's gotten, gotten past most of us. Not anymore. Tonight's where that buck stops. What is it that's missing in the good news? We hear the message of salvation. We know that we're bought by the blood. We know by, we're saved by the blood of the Lamb. We're giving thanks that we're saved by grace through faith. All of that's great. But what's next? What's next? So I want you to turn with me to the book of Ephesians. Or look on the screen. And Paul says that he was made a minister. He was made a minister according to the gift of God's. And maybe you can't even see it. Do we need to dim the lights a little bit or something? I wrote it in red because it's that important. We're saved and we're called into ministry by God's grace. By God's grace. And that's a word that we're going to be batting around a whole lot tonight. But I got a hint for you. I got a real big time hint for you, and that's not like the kind of grace as a prayer that we say at meals. And it's not grace like a person being very gracious and very mannerly. This is not about Emily Post, and this is not about table manners. There's something that we're going to need to learn about this word grace. The word is charis. You ever heard of the word charismatic? People who believe in the power of God. So there's a connection there between power and grace. According to the gift of God's grace, which was given to me, according to the working of His power. Do you see that word grace and power? There's a connection that's there. Therefore, I want to ask you to not lose heart at my tribulation, etc., because I'm bowing my knees before God, and I'm crying out that He would grant you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in the inner man. This is something that the, that, that the Spirit of God, I'm believing, is speaking to the church today. Because I'm, but even in the Pentecostal and Charismatic church, this is something that is sorely missing. This message of God's Baniah empowerment. Empowerment. It's not just salvation. It's about empowerment that we're needing. So that Christ might dwell in your hearts, Paul continues. And that so that you might be uh, through faith and that you might be able to know the love of Christ and be filled up with the fullness of God. 
How does that happen? To him who's able to do, and we read this and we apply it directly to prayer. I'm going to suggest that it's not primarily and first off addressing prayer. It's addressing things that we, sorry, things that we think and God is able to work through us. So, now to him who is able to do exceeding abundantly beyond all we ask, that's where we get the idea of prayer. And yes, that's definitely there. Or think according to the power that's then at work in us and doing stuff. Not in our strength. It's not by horses, not by chariots. It's by the power of God. It's not by might. It's not by power, but it's by His Spirit, says the Lord. To Him be the glory. Ultimately, God's goal in all of this history of redemption, history of the church, message in the Bible is that His name be glorified. It's not so much that we be blessed. We get blessed so that His name is glorified. We get healed. We get provided for. We get delivered because His great name deserves to be glorified in the midst of the earth. That's the end game. That is the end game. It's not to get our little itches scratched. It's that His name be magnified, be glorified, as Malachi says, above and beyond the borders of Israel, to the ends of the earth. Jesus talks about this as much as, as, much as Paul does. He says, abide in me and I in you. Unless that thing abides in the vine, then you can't bear fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. I want to talk to two different groups of people here tonight, and then everybody else somewhere in between. But there are folks that, who are struggling still with various forms of addiction and life-controlling behaviors and attitudes and outlook and stuff. I want you to know that there is good news, and it's beyond salvation. It's into what God's called you and delivered you into. He's the one who empowers you to continue to walk in it, and then walk in greater and greater and greater freedom, not in weariness from having to fight that thing off at the door every day of your life in your own strength, but rather God's plan is that He empower you to walk the way He's called you to walk. Walk in that freedom that He's delivered you into. And now, the other side of the coin. And that's people who have been walking with the Lord for 20, 30, 40 years. And you have been struggling and become weary because it's just, it, it, sometimes it, it, it ends up, your relationship with God, it feels like base touching. It feels like box checking. If oh, I've got to go to this meeting, I've got to do my devotions, I've got, I got to pray 20 minutes a day, and I've got to talk to somebody this week about Jesus, and i got to, i got to, i got to. And then you listen to Christian TV, and it doubles down on that because they say, what you need to do, and you need to be doing more of, and you need to be this, that, and the other. And all of a sudden, we get caught up into this, this works thing that it's, well, it is, it's all on me. It, it's totally up to me. I have to make this thing happen. Let me tell you something. Two things. Let me tell you two somethings. You make this happen in your strength and on your shekel, and you get the glory at the end of it, not, not him. And number two, 
keep on trying to do that and keep getting wearier and more frustrated and more discouraged and more failing. And that's not abundant life. Jesus said, I came that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. You know, I've been a Christian now for way too many years almost to count. 45 plus years, like 47 years. I go from church to church. We're in Israel a whole lot, but we're traveling in the States when we're not in Israel. And I see 5 to 10% of Christians who are really living abundant life. But that's it. Jesus said, I, this was my purpose. This is why I came. I came that my people might have life flowing out of them and into people all around them. So this is a, this is a solution tonight. This is a solution for people who are struggling to just barely make it day to day and try to keep the devil off of their heels and try to stay clean. And this is for people who have, gotten, who have been in this for years and years and you've gotten frustrated and you've gotten discouraged and you've gotten weary and you know that you are living way below the plan that God has for you to live abundant life. Not just getting by by the skin of your teeth. Abundant life. And for everybody else in between, this is an important message from the Word of God. Salvation and empowerment. Apart from me, Jesus says, you can do nothing. Some of the last things that Jesus said before he left this earth in what we call the Ascension, he's on the Mount of Olives, just east of Jerusalem. And he says, I'm sending forth the promise of my, my Father upon you, but you are supposed to stay here in this city until you get empowered. Until you get empowered. What is that, the promise of the Father? You can read throughout the Gospel of Luke, the book of Acts, and this is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Well, what's going on there? What happens is that Jesus knows that he's dropped a bomb on them called the Great Commission. Go into all the world. Make disciples of all ethnoi, all ethnic groups. Preach the gospel to every creature, to the whole world. And that's probably the, the most difficult calling and the hardest job that anybody could ever have. Forget about President of the United States. Forget about the, 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 the Chief Commissioner of the UN or whatever. That's the most difficult. Can you imagine these 12 guys that can't remember their middle name? And they're told, I want you to go and I want you to set the world on fire with the message of the good news. I want you to let everybody know no technology, no airplanes, no printing presses. They don't have a whole big network going on where they can name drop and, you know, bring in great celebrities and stuff like that. And Jesus says, I want you to go and I want you to impact the whole world with the message that I have encoded into you in these three, three and a half years. How do you think these guys are going to get it done? Here's the solution. Here's the, here's the answer to it. It's like some big secret or something because people don't talk about it in the church. It's just, just, good, just good, does not get out. And I'm, I'm thinking, no, this is not a secret. I want you to know. The reason why I've got these 22 or so passages 
is because I want you to see it's all over the place in the Bible. It starts with Jesus. He says, you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you'll be my witnesses. It's, it, this has got to precede this. What God calls you to, has, there has got to be a concomitant empowerment for that to happen. Otherwise, there is frustration and there is failure and there, er, there is weariness and discouragement going on because we cannot accomplish the will of God in our lives in our own strength. It wasn't ever His plan. He never intended that to be the case. And it's, you know, it really... It ought to fail. It ought to fail. It ought to fall flat on its face if God says, okay, I've got this really big picture plan. I've got this really important mission for you guys, guys to go through. And now, you know, y'all are so good looking and y'all are so cool and y'all are so smart and you've got such cool technology and junk like that that now y'all just get out and, and, and throw your best effort on. Get up every day and pull your pants on one leg at a time and put your nose to the grindstone and get out there and fight and work and try and struggle and just do the best you can. And, and may God have mercy on your souls. Does that sound like your God? Does that sound like the God of the Bible? That's not God. That's us. That's been the message of the church for 2,000 years practically. But these guys in the first century, let me tell you this, they turned their world upside down. You can read about it in Acts. You can read about it in Romans. You can read about it in Colossians. Your faith has come to be known through the whole world, Paul says. Hmm, I wonder how that happened. Well, that was because they just, they had such good worship leaders. They had awesome sound systems. They had the best $500,000 tour bus that shekels can buy. Not. Not even. Not even. This thing was going to fall on its face if they went out in the flesh and did this. But instead, what happened is God started building his kingdom through that, that raggedy band of disciples of his. And the church of Christ is still alive and still standing today because of that foundation that they laid. Because they got dead enough to self to say, you know what? I cannot make this happen in my strength. If it's up to me, this is never going to get off square one. But what God does is he goes, okay, now that you've gotten yourselves out of the way, now that you're totally reliant upon me, watch what I do through you. What he did through them is in the book of Acts and in the rest of the books of the New Testament. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Romans chapter 8. Now we're going to run through a whole bunch of stuff in the letters of Paul. And this is to some degree following the order in, uh, that we get the books in Scripture. But Paul says, if the spirit of, of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead is going to give life to your mortal bodies. Look, you don't have to pray this up. You don't have to shout this up. You don't have to go to seminary and get a degree for this. This comes from the Spirit of God. If the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, then he's going to give you life. And through his spirit. Okay, so then brethren, we're not under, under obligation to the flesh. To accomplish the will of God, to accomplish the call of God in our lives, we are not under obligation to this failing, faulting, imperfect, and, and mortal flesh that we are 
clothed with. That's not part of his plan. What is part of his plan? We're not under obligation to the flesh because if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by, I want you to listen to this, people who are still struggling with those life-besetting addictions, it is by the Spirit that you put to death the deeds of the body. If that's what's happening, you're going to live real life. That abundant life that Jesus was talking about that he came, his purpose for coming was to deliver that package, abundant life. It's not through you just saying, I just got to try harder. I just got to work longer. I just have to work smarter. You hear this in our world all the time, don't you? Just work longer. Just work harder. Just work smarter. Yeah, and watch yourself keep digging your own grave. This is not God's way forward. What he has called you to He is going to empower you to walk in. Here's another real quick secret. Do you know that the life he's called us to live, this life of turning the other cheek and praying for your enemies and loving those that despitefully use us, that is not normal living, ladies and gentlemen. It's not even close. And so what he's called us to is this extraordinary life, lifestyle. So then... That means that we get out there and we just got to work longer and harder and smarter. No. That's crash and burn mode right there, guys. So what is he doing? He's called us to this exceptional lifestyle and he says, watch this. I'm going to empower you to live the way I've called you to live. That sets you free right there. That sets you free. And it's not about base touching. It's not about box checking. It is about the just... Yielding to God and letting him enable you to do what he never, listen to this, never expected you to do on your own. Not in a million years. He's not going to call us to just do average, everyday, run-of-the-mill things. The world can do that. The unbeliever can do just average, everyday, get up, go to work, clock in at 8, clock out at 5, go home, kick the dog, whatever. That's not what he's called us to. That's not what he called us to. He called us to an exceptional lifestyle. And then, oh my goodness, now that just means i got more to do. No, that means he's got more to do in you and through you. It is he. He is the one who is able to do this. And watch how this plays its way out so often in the New Testament. 20, how many ever years it was ago? 25, 23, 24 years ago when I started seeing this all over the place. I went, my goodness, this is everywhere in the Bible. How in the world did I ever miss this all this, all this time? Why, did, why wasn't this just so self-evident? Because, I think because we get such a steady diet of it. Christian TV, go to church, read your devotional books, and you know it's all about you. Of course, everything is all about you. No, it's not. The Bible's not about you. Life is not about you. What God's call on your life is not about you. It's all about Him. It's got to always circle back to it is The spotlight is on Him. It's all about Him. It's by the Spirit that we put to death the deeds of the flesh, not in our own strength. Guys, it's people, people that are are struggling with those life-controlling addictions, receive that as the Word of God. I didn't make this up. These are God's words, not mine. 1 Corinthians, Paul says, consider your call, brethren. 
that there were not many of you who were wise or mighty or noble. Yeah, that sounds like most of us, doesn't it? Yeah? Okay, so what does God do with these not wise, not mighty, and not noble people? But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise and chosen the weak things of the world to shame the, those, that which are strong. And the passage continues. And the base things of the world and despised God's chosen, the things that really don't hardly even exist at all. You can't even tell that they're there. They just don't amount to a hill of beans. That he might nullify the things that are so that no one should boast before God. In the church, out of the church, no boasting before God is ever, is ever appropriate. But it's by His doing. See, He's the one who is at will and to work for His good pleasure in us. It's Him. He's the one. The spotlight's on Him. The onus is on Him. The call came from Him. The enablement has got to come from Him. You're in Christ who became to us the wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification, just as it's written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. 1 Corinthians 12. There are varieties of gifts, and that is charismata in the Greek. Do you hear that word? It's the same word that we're seeing in the Bible. It constantly seems to be in our English translations, translated with the word grace, grace, grace after meals, grace with Emily Post, you know, be gracious to your uh, friends, and, you know, maybe they'll like you more, Um, say grace at the table, Um, be gracious in your manners, and that's not at all what's going on in most of these passages where this word charis shows up. It gets connected to this word. There are varieties of charismata, God's divine enablement, His supernatural empowerment of human beings. But it's the same Spirit. And there are varieties of effects, but it's God who is at work in all these persons whether it's a a message in tongues or it's a gift of service or it's some kind of interpretation or prophecy or whatever, that's totally God. I mean, if it's really God behind it, that's God involved in that. Nobody gets glory from that. Nobody gets it. Yeah, well, I'm a prophet. Yeah, God's running all over the United States. Prophet this, apostle that, et cetera, et cetera. Please. I mean, really? Really? That's what we've come to in the body of Christ. Really? Not according to this guy. And he really was a real apostle. He knew what apostle was. Read about it in 2 Corinthians 12. Let, Let me show you the marks of an apostle. But the same God, it is God who works in all these things. This, he's the source of this empowerment. He's the source of our call. He's the source of the gifts. He's the source of the unity of the body of Christ. He's the source of all of the, uh, the, the fruit that we bear, the people that we win, the folks we, we drag out of, um, out of the dungeon. That's God doing that. He's the one that gets the glory for all of that stuff. 1 Corinthians 15. You're writing these down, right? You're memorizing them as we go along? Never mind. Okay. By the grace of God. I, by the what? The charis of God. There's only one Greek word behind all of this stuff. And it's all tracking back to God's power. His divine enablement of us. But, the, but by the charis, the power, the grace of God, I am what I am. And his charis or his empowerment toward me didn't improve in vain. He's not talking about his manners. He's talking about God's enablement of him to do what Paul had been called to do. 
See, this guy had found the secret. It's only 2,000 years old, y'all. I didn't have to read about it in the Harbinger. Pause for effect. There is none. We move on. Okay? So, and his grace, his empowerment for, toward me did not prove vain, in vain. But I labored more than all of them. And Paul's talking about, I'm putting my hand to the grindstone. You know, I'm putting my hand to the plow. And, and is that what Paul's doing? But look what he, how he circles back. And yet not I, but it was the chorus, that divine enablement of God with me. Addict, former addict person who has felt like they've been in bondage to I can never seem to please God I can never seem to get enough done I can't read enough Bible I can't memorize enough Bible can't do my devotions enough can't go to church enough can't go to revival enough yada 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 please please for the love of God stop beating yourself up and open yourself up if you're going to beat yourself up it's that hey I need to be open to his divine enablement His divine enablement. It's the grace of God that is working in me. 2 Corinthians 9. God's able to make, God's able to make all grace, all divine enablement abound to you that always having a sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. Where are we're called to good deeds? We're called to good deeds that God prepared for us to walk in beforehand. No doubt about it. But this business of good deeds and bearing good fruit, that's another way of saying the same thing. Where does that come from? It comes from the vine dresser. It comes from the divine enabler. It doesn't come from this this dead stinking flesh that we are constantly trying to get to, yeah, get out there and just, you know, witness a little bit more and read a little bit more Bible passages and do your devotions more regularly and go to more meetings and go to more conferences and go to more seminars and go to more retreats and, 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 and. It's not from that. That's not why Jesus came and died for us. He came to bring abundant life. Not that you drag yourself from meeting to meeting. Not that that you just barely subsist from one revival or one retreat or one conference or one seminar to another. That's not the reason that Jesus came and did what he did and suffered what he suffered for us on this earth. He's got a better plan. It is so much better. It is so much better than what we've come up with on our own. Well, let me just try a little harder. Let me just just drag my sorry carcass across the finish line by the skin of my teeth. Sorry, that's not what his plan was. Abundant life, right? That's the end game. Abundant life. Going from strength to strength. That's his plan. Abundance for every good deed. Paul says about this trial, and now we're getting down into this real serious apostleship thing and what Paul was called to in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. He said, I entreated the Lord about this trial he's undergoing three times that it might depart from me. And you know what God said to him? My chorus, there it is again. 
My, my grace is sufficient for you. And the reason that I formatted the slide the way I did is because Paul is Jewish. And Paul reads a Hebrew Bible. And he knows all about this poetic thing, this, this literary device called Hebrew poetic parallelism. I know you know what I'm talking about because I was here and I preached on the priestly blessing. And we talked about how God will oftentimes say things, the same, getting the same point across, but using different sets of words and doing it two different ways. Or three different or four or even five sometimes different ways saying the same thing making the same point multiple ways so these are effective functional synonyms that is this grace is the same thing as this dunamis power power charis dunamis we've caught Paul he is all over the place in the Bible these are synonyms Grace and power. So if you've been wondering about that Emily Post stuff and saying grace at meals and all of that other stuff that we talked about before, here you're seeing the proof in the pudding. This is Scripture interpreting Scripture. Yeah? So what is Paul? What exactly did my grace is sufficient for you? Well, he makes another run at it right, past, right at the, in the next little line of his letter to the Corinthians there. It is power, charis, grace. They're all the same thing. My grace, my power is perfected in weakness. Boy, isn't that cool. Like, well, that sets you free. That means the weaker I get, that means the more, the last, that last nerve that I'm on, that means the, my final ability, my final coping skill, and it's then hallelujah because now the grace of God cuts in. And he picks me up. He bears me up on, on eagle's wings. He takes me and he turns my weakness into strength. He kicks in. And with that power, with that source of power, there's no limit. There's no end. There's no last nerve for God. There's no final willpower. There's no last, okay, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to try to hit the ball one last. There is none of that with God. You never get to the end of this reservoir of strength. An empowerment, divine enablement that he has prepared for you and me that was part of his plan all along. Are you seeing that this bathes Paul's ministry? Yeah. yeah. And Jesus's as well. This is going on all over the New Testament. And that's the reason why I'm afflicting you with all these Bible passages tonight. My grace is sufficient. My power is perfected in weakness. So I'm going to gladly boast about my weaknesses. A lot of people say, well, that's a bad confession. You know, that's, that, that, that's, that, that, that's, you know you're going to get that. You get what you say. Paul says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to boast about my weaknesses because in that moment, the power of Christ might dwell within me. Do you want that? Do you want to just sound boastful? Or do you want the power of God, boast about your weaknesses and let the power of God, the Christ, dwell within you? So I'm well content with weaknesses and insults and persecution. It just kind of doesn't matter after that when you know that you got God in a flowing through you. And the weaker you get and the, and, and the more besieged at work that you get for your testimony... And, 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 the, and the more, the harder that, that life gets because of some kind of a, a, a life controlling situation, roll it over on him. Roll it over on him. Look for another, another opportunity for him to flow into you and empower you. And that's what Paul is talking about there, right there, that the power of Christ might dwell in me. So I'm well content with these 
things. Because when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Well, that just makes a whole lot of sense, doesn't it? Unless you've been listening. Unless you've been listening to what we've done up to this point. Because it's no longer about him. The debtor Paul gets to himself is like, oh, wow, watch God move now. Watch God bear me up. Watch God be my strength when I don't have any more. Watch God be my source of power for resisting the enemy and temptation and all of that other stuff when I just don't have any more of that. It's just not in me anymore. Now we get to the exciting part where he does it. He's doing it. Not us. Not our best wishes. You know, not all of our schemes and plans and stuff. But he's doing that stuff as we yield to him and he works through us in our lives. Paul says he's been crucified with Christ. Is that dead enough for you there? I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I that live. It's Christ that's living in me. And the life I'm now living, I'm living my faith in the Son of God. This is Jesus carrying Paul. This is Jesus carrying Paul. Paul, the old Paul, that Paul's dead. The world finished him off. And now it's just Jesus. Do you want to see? You want, you want your coworkers? You want your teammates? You want your family members seeing Jesus get dead enough? And watch them freak out when they see Jesus beaming through a dead-to-self life. That's his whole point. That's his whole purpose in working with us. He could have worked with pigeons and aardvarks and, and things, but he chose to work with people. And so now he's saying, look, just die to yourself and let me carry this. Let me be this. Let me do this. Let me live my holy life through you. And people are going to be blown away because they're not going to be seeing you. They're going to be seeing me. That's the whole goal. Ephesians, Paul says, I was made a minister of the gospel, he says. I was made, we've, we've circled back to that, but I was made a minister. I was made a servant. That Greek, Greek word there is servant. I've been made a servant according to the gift of God's charis, his divine enablement. You see where this thing is connected? His power. Yeah. Amazing. That he would grant you according to the riches of, of his glory to be strengthened. Let's look at the connection. Strengthened with power through his spirit. This is not like we go in and when it's convenient for us, we just stick our phone in to charge for a while because we see that the number is way low in that upper right. That's, that's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about here is strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man. This is on his shekel, but we've got to say, here I am. I yield. I submit. I, I give place to you. I recognize. I confess. God, I can't do anything outside of your divine enablement. It's all you. Now let me die to self. Let me, let me be broken. Let, let me submit. Let me be your servant and flow through me. Flow through me. Paul says to him who is able to exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think by the working of his power. We talked about that before. Colossians, we've not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you be filled with the knowledge of his will. Filled with the knowledge of his will. That you might walk in a manner. Isn't that this, is this not what, what the end game, what we want? We want to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, approved by him, right? The question is, how do we get there? Do we get there by striving and by trying to do it in our own wisdom, strength, and creativity and networking and stuff like that? Or do we do it by yielding to the one who called us to this life? 
<clears throat> just makes a, a whole lot of sense when we start connecting the dots, doesn't it? So that you might walk in a manner worthy of him, to please him in every respect, bearing fruit in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God. Do you see this overflow? I mean, this is, a, it's kind of like a play-by-play description of, man, that's abundant life. Yeah, Paul was walking in abundant life. He was living that abundant life thing out, strengthened with all, the, uh-oh, but, but that's the catch. All of this happens when this is going on, strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for the aim of attaining steadfastness and patience. This just starts happening on the inside of lives that are broken and open to him empowering them to live the way he's called us to live. And we proclaim him, and we're admonishing every man, teaching every man with all wisdom that we may present every man complete in Christ. There's just another way of describing abundant life. Abundant life. And for this purpose, now watch how this beautifully blended thing. Yes, he's going to ask us to go out and do some stuff, to hit the pavement, you know, to get up, get out of bed, you know, quit jamming potato chips down our throat and, and, and lace up our, our bootstraps and get out there and be the body of Christ. Yes, he's going to ask us to step into that kind of situation. And Paul is describing this. Man, he has gone all over the Mediterranean, three major missionary journeys, back and forth, thousands of miles, hundreds of people, thousands of people preached to, demons cast out, miracles work, churches uh, established, and I'm laboring, and I'm, but, but here's the secret. Here's how Paul got that done. It was not because he had gone to the right school of ministry. It was not because he was just so personally cool. It was he's laboring, but he's striving according to his, God's, power that works mightily within me. Everything that we read about, everything, everything that we read about that Paul accomplished was done under the power of his spirit. It was by God's divine enablement. And all it took was a guy who said, I'm getting myself out of the way, and I've got a call on me that is so big that I can't, I can't even start. I can't get off square one. But I know a God who's able, and I trust in a God who has not only called me, but he's, he's promised, and he's been, he said he was willing to equip me to enable me, to supernaturally empower me to do all of this stuff. And the record of it speaks for itself, and it's right there in the Bible. It's right there in the book of Acts, right there in the letters of Paul. Striving according to his power that works mightily within me. Philippians, it's God who's at work in you. If it's going to happen, it's going to have to be God. It's God who is at work in you, both to will and to work. This is to to want to do it and then to do it. How does that happen? To want to do right, to want to live righteously, to want to live holy, to want to love our neighbor as ourselves, to want to die to self. Who wants to do that? It's not natural, but God's the one who works this in us. And then once he's worked that in us, then he's working that out of us, through us, and into our worlds. And I love that, man. There's, there's that work. Yep, we're involved. Yep, we're doing the shoe leather thing. But guess what the dynamo is behind it? It's the power of God. 
that's flowing through us and into our world, into the, the need that we see. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I see it on T-shirts. I see it on bumper stickers. I see it all over the place. You know what the emphasis is usually? I. What's the biblical emphasis? Now that we've looked at the whole thing, we've done kind of a biblical theology of this business of empowerment. It is through Christ because he's the one who strengthens me. There's the secret. And Paul's telling it to the whole world in black and white, in plain Greek. Pause for effect. Didn't get any. We're going to keep on moving. First Thessalonians. Faithful is he who calls. And what happens? He will bring it to pass or he will do it. He calls. We receive the call. And then we, our, our New Testament, good news, empowerment message informed self says, All right, and I realize that there's no way I can do that call. And God says, you are totally right, and that's part of my plan. Now what are you going to do? I'm going to submit. I'm going to admit, I am not capable of that. Can't do it. You could give me 10 lifetimes, and I'd never get that thing done. God calls us to an extraordinary life. But then he empowers us to live the way he's called us to live, to bear the fruit that he's called us to bear, to touch the kind of people, to have the kind of family life that he's called us to. He's the one who does that kind of stuff through us as we just yield to him and we say, Lord, here I am. Here I am, Lord, fill me. Here I am, Lord, empower me. Here I am, Lord, strengthen me. I am officially out of time. I, and it's okay. Because I want you to join with me in praying a prayer. A prayer that is as as old as the first century. A prayer the early church learned. A prayer that was taught to them by the writer of the book of Hebrews. And I want you to watch. We've gone through Jesus and we've gone through Paul. And now we're going through some of the what we call the general epistles. But I want you to look at how the message of the Bible is united. The Old Testament. Not through horses and not through chariots. But by but, but by the Lord's strength, and not by might, not by power, but by my strength, by my power, says the Lord, by my spirit, says the Lord. Uh, so now let's take a look and see how that connects with what Jesus said. Don't leave and leave the city. Don't even think about it. Don't even put the, don't put the key in the ignition until you are empowered by the Holy Spirit, and then you're going to be my witnesses. And then all this stuff cascading all the way through the letters of Paul. It is, and I've just hit the high points, guys. This message is all over the place in your Bible. Go discover it for yourself. I'm allowed to give homework because I'm still a part-time professor, so there's homework. You go fill in the blanks. I've just hit the high points, but this is the prayer. And I want you to pray it with me. Would you stand to your feet? And I, I, when I'm done with this, I'm going to turn this over to the pastors and we're going to have prayer. And, and as you guys, as the Lord touches you and moves on you, you come forward and we're going to pray and we're going to agree. And we're just going to try to get as broken as we can so that God will flow through us like we've been seeing he was flowing through the first century church. Pray this prayer with me if you would. Now I pray that the God of peace who brought up from the dead the great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the eternal covenant, even Jesus our Lord will equip you in every good thing to do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, 
to whom be the glory forever and ever and ever. Amen. God bless you, sanctuary. I love each one of you. Empowerment to do the work of the cross. We also had a prophetic message tonight just to reach out and touch him. Just to reach out and touch him because he is passing by. I don't know about you, but that's the only invitation I need. That's the only thing I need in my life to say, you know what, I need more. I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't think of it. I can't even possess it. I need the Holy Spirit in my life to empower me, not for me, for Him. So if that's on your heart, if that's something that the Lord is stirring in you, if you want to be empowered just like the early church, if you want to do the work of the cross, if you want to crucify that flesh, if you want to bow down before a holy God, if you want to cry out for more of Him and less of you, now's your time. Because the Lord said, just reach out and touch Him I'm passing by tonight. Revival isn't just a flare-up. Revival is a permanent plan. Revival is an empowerment in our lives so that we can touch our community, so that we can touch our world, so that we can finish the work of Christ with the Great Commission and say, God, burn inside of me so I can reach the lost. Let not ones die. Let not one pass by that I don't reach out and touch. Let not one person pass by that I don't have a heart of compassion. The Holy Spirit equips us. The Holy Spirit speaks through us. But it takes us casting what we have aside. Just reach out and touch Him. So Lord, we come before You tonight. Lord, let this not be just a flare-up, but Lord, revive us. Lord, empower us to do the work of the cross. Lord, we are nothing, but we are everything through you. So God, just as we had a wonderful service this morning, God, we press in tonight, knowing that when we come before you, hungry for more of your spirit, you work and do a good thing in us. When we sit at the feet of Jesus and worship you, we are doing a beautiful thing for you just like Mary of Bethany. So Lord, as we come before you tonight hungry for more of you, as we come to you tonight desiring a touch from the Almighty just to touch the hem of his garment so that we might know, so that we might do your will. God, I pray that as we come tonight, this not be just a one-time event, but let us come before you with all, in all, every day. We are not wanting a program. We are not wanting anything more than just your touch, your empowerment. We want to travail before you, knowing that when we do, when we die to our flesh, when we crucify that flesh, more of you begins to flow up within us. So Lord, 
Lord, pour out your spirit on your church. Lord, fill us, empower us to do the work. Lord, let us reach what you have for us. Let us not be just a bless me movement. Let this not be just a bless me movement. But let this be a holy, holy, holy movement. Only unto you. Only unto you. We're hungry, Lord. We're thirsty, Lord, from the well of Bethlehem. Lord, pray. Touch your people. Move on our hearts. Move in our midst. Enable us to do the work of the cross. Lord, we pray. We pray for the commissioning of our spirit. The commissioning of our, our desire for more of you. God, we pray. You move upon this church. You move upon our hearts. We desire to enter the throne room. We desire an Acts 2 movement in our church that we might hear a mighty rushing wind, that we might hear the wind and know and feel the fire burning within us, the flame that never goes out, the flame that rises up, that burns away all the chaff, that burns away all that we don't need, and an all-consuming fire. Lord, we are calling out for you. We're calling out for you. We are united as one mind, one heart, one body. Lord, let us travail. Let us seek your face. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. God, I pray for the commissioning of the Holy Spirit in the lives of the believers. Lord, I pray that your spirit moves and gifts and callings are birthed. God, I pray that we're able to walk in all godliness knowing that whenever we humble ourselves up to you, God, you begin to do the good work. So, Lord, God, I pray that those who are hungry come for you. God, I pray for those who are thirsty come for you. God, I pray that we're able to be and do your work, not in our flesh, but through your spirit. So God, I pray that ministries are birthed. God, I pray that people are sent. God, I pray that young and old come together with one heart, one mind, one voice, knowing that when we do, when we lift up the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess. God, whenever you begin to work in this church as you are, God, conviction moves. God, we know that you convict the heart. So God, this revival, this revive us, God, is the, is the mission. We're praying for the mission of the cross. God, that we could reach the loss for you. God, that those who are struggling with addiction would run through these doors 
those who are broken and beaten would run through the doors of this church and encounter our almighty God. Those who are captive run through the doors and are set at liberty. Those who are brokenhearted are made whole through you, Jesus. This is the commissioning of Revive Us tonight. This is the commissioning of Revive Us. This is saying we don't want any more of us. We don't want a social gospel. We don't want anything that feels good, but we want more of you. We're calling out for more of you, that you would awaken your bride, that you would awaken our hearts, that we would burn with fire for the lost, just as the church did. Let us be a church on fire. Let us be a church that yearns for more. More souls that we could pluck them out of the fire. Thank you, Lord, for your promises through yes and amen. That when we come before you and praying that we are used, your promises are effective in our life. So Holy Spirit, as we walk through Scripture tonight, we're praying for almighty fire. We're praying for fresh wind. We're not wanting just a, a flare-up of your, of your Holy Spirit, but God, we're praying for from now on, from this point forward, from this point forward, this church, this church, this body of believers, we're calling out for more of you. We're calling out for more of you. God, I thank you that we might be vessels. That we might be vessels. It's the Holy Spirit. on your church. Blow on your church, Lord. Fresh wind. Fresh fire. Thank you, Lord.
walking by right now. He's walking by right now. If you reach out and touch him, if you reach out and touch him, if you press in, Look at the word center on this board. That Jesus would equip us. Our equipping comes from him. For one purpose, to do his will. He working in us to please him, to please the Father through Jesus Christ. Raise your hands to him. And say, Lord, work in me, equip me. Let me do all that I do in and through you, for you, and by you, to please you. Praise him and ask him, God, use me. All you, none of me, just use me to please you. God, this is the flame that's going to be ignited into a torch of glory in this house. God, you started it this morning. You brought a man this morning, God, that brought the beginning of revive us, and you brought a man tonight to teach us how to revive us. Through the power of God, through the anointing of the Holy Spirit, and we praise you for it. Just pray this prayer right now. Father, let it begin in me. But pray, don't pray it like a prayer. Say it with your heart. God, let this begin in me. Would you do that? Let it begin in me, Father. Let it begin in me, Lord. Sing this with me. I need thee, oh, I need thee, hour I need thee oh bless me now my Savior I come to thee just tell him how much you need him right now would you Father we need you we need you. Oh, we need you, Jesus. 
Hallelujah. Thank you. We need you. God, America needs you like never before. God, Missouri and this state needs you like never before. God, Branson, Missouri needs you like never before. This community, this outlying area. God, in Jesus' name, we need you. We praise you. We acknowledge you. Hallelujah. 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 Revive us, Lord. Let this be more than a word or a theme. Let it be a lifestyle. Revive us. This is the beginning of every Sunday night. Every Sunday night, God, that we're going to seek you. We're going to fast before you. We're going to pray. We're going to come before you asking from the throne of grace and mercy that you pour out on us, oh God. You pour out on us, oh God, that we can pour out. Rabbi said it tonight. Pour out in us so we can pour out, not a reservoir, but a conduit. In the name of Jesus, make me a river. Make me a river. Oh God, I praise you. I thank you. When God's your river, you don't have to look at your shortcomings, abilities, or not abilities. It's him anyway. It's not you at all. Has nothing to do with you. Nothing has everything to do with him. You're not the river. He's the river. He flows through you. Amen? Praise God. Oh, where are you at, Wave? He's somewhere. What a word tonight. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. Praise God. Thank you.